Hello, welcome to the Tutors of Life podcast, episode 80. Fuck. <laughs> Hello, welcome to the Tutors of Life podcast, where we research life so you don't have to. Episode 89, this is your host, Sean Tudor. And this is Sam. You got there. We got it. We got it good. Yep. I'm proud of you that time. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So, so, Sean... What are we talking about? Dude, I went through 80, like 80 some episodes saying it one way. Now to change up how I'm saying it fucks me up. And I bet you it's not going to be the last time we change. No. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Growing pains. Um, we are talking about habits. Atomic Habits by James Clear. Specifically. Specifically. You finished the book? I finally finished the book. Um, Golf clap. Thank you. Thank you. I really needed that. Uh, it has been about an eight-month journey of me reading this. That's crazy, dude. Yeah. Um, so it was a really good book. Really, really good. Uh, I like to take notes on my lovely reading so I can look at them later. And it makes, you know, podcasting about the books a lot easier, too. Absolutely. I will say the reason this book took so long is not because it was boring. It's it was all me. It was just laziness and trying to. I started reading it when Sean and I were getting up early last summer, um, and just reading our business books every morning while we drink coffee. But then we switched to going to the gym early in the morning. Yep. So. When we did that switch, I kind of fell off the train of reading business books for six months. Yeah. But now I figured it out and how to put it in my schedule again. So we're back on the train. Just got to wake up earlier. Hell yeah. When, when, actually, when do, oh. you, when do you want to put yours in to read more? Oh, I've been reading mine at night. Mm. I read about 10 pages of my business book at night after I journal. And then I switch to my fun book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At, you you couldn't do that. At night, I read about one to three pages of the book I like, and then I fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And that's why in the mornings, I have to journal. And some mornings, if I'm feeling up to it, I'll read. Mm. But I think that's a habit stacker I'm going to start doing, is I'm going to just only... Because I'll like drink my coffee and journal slowly. But I could whip out journaling in five minutes. Instead, I let it take 20 minutes while I drink coffee slow. Yeah. So I could knock out journaling in five minutes, then I could read Mm -hmm. and just stack that habit. I will say this is a book I wish I would have read in college or like before college. Yeah. For sure. Um, Obviously, like there is like still some very good things in it, uh, especially like... I think one of the main habits I'm going to try and get rid of is being on my phone as much. Do we've talked been talking about that for two years? I know we have. Um, and uh, this book told me it's not necessarily my fault that we haven't done it. Because we've always said it's because, like, if you don't work towards it, then you don't really want it. Mm-hmm. Um, but how he says it is it's... We're not taking the right steps. We're not using the right system to get rid of the habit. I will back that up with this. Most people say this phrase, must be nice. 
and they say it in regards to people doing something successfully mm -hmm. well somebody inherits money or somebody goes out and makes a lot of money whatever it is must be nice yeah okay now <laughs> the people saying must be nice who aren't wealthy don't have whatever it is that the other person has that they want it's not that they don't want that thing and aren't working towards it they clearly want that thing right they clearly want whatever it is that must be nice right um they just haven't put in the systems in their life to reach that thing correct so yeah that's very good mm -hmm. i like that a lot um so i mean this was a very long book and there's so much information in it so we're kind of gonna just go off a lot of the notes that i wrote um it shouldn't really We'll, we'll expand on some of it. But as long as we go through the four steps, or the four... The four laws? Four laws, that's all that matters. Hey, I will say this. What? About habits. I think if you utilize them correctly, you could bring your, like, amount of time you're doing shit in the day down significantly mm -hmm. he talks about that too like uh if your habits um are really good and your your mind is at like the perfect level he talks about like how then you're in the flow state yeah and we've it's so weird because i never have heard about the flow state until about like two years ago two mm -hmm. three years ago and everyone who talks about like being productive and like whatever like they always say like they're you you have to try and get into the flow state where your brain is just working at the most optimal levels right and even so even with habits like he says you can get into that flow state uh with good habits right and i was like that's really cool um i don't think i have any notes on that but if you read the book guys you can get mm -hmm. it uh i also highly suggest um he has a website uh and in his book he has like links to like certain things um if you go to atomichabits.com slash cheats cheat sheet uh it gives you a whole bunch of like printable resources that you can use as well um so i have them all printed right here there's even a bonus chapter which i didn't actually get to read uh about how to apply these ideas to business okay um and that's like actually really long i think it's like 18 pages oh geez yeah so i thought that was kind of cool um but yeah he has the main thing we're probably going to go over is the four laws of good habits um he has some templates that will be really good uh you can even actually buy he has an atomic habits journal mm -hmm. so in there is a habit tracker um one line per day so he says you should write like something every day which shauna i mean like i think it's kind of similar to like our gratitudes Ooh, we didn't do our gratitudes yesterday anyways i know i haven't done it today yet either <sighs> but oh man so yeah he has a journal i don't know how much it is but he does have a journal i will tell you it's a lot harder for me to follow my schedule and shit on a weekend than monday through friday do you think that's our fault or just because you're either at the office or you're either here instead of like at an actual workplace? 
I just think it's us. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's partially us and partially like the stigma of a weekend. The stigma of a weekend's for chilling. Yeah, and I think this weekend was worse because we just slept in. Dude, that's what I'm saying. We yeah. slept in yesterday and today. Which I will say, it did feel so good. My body feels so good and rested, but... Unacceptable. It is bad. Yeah, uh, that's, that's a tip he gives. Um... It's okay to miss a habit one day, but when you miss it a second day, uh, it starts to become a new habit. So that's what I'm saying, dude. Sleeping in two days in a row is mm. unacceptable. Yep. Like, dude. Oh, yeah, babe, let's start Fuck, this. let's get after it. Okay, so the first quote that I wrote, uh, success is the product of daily habits, not once-in-a-lifetime transformations. Say it again. Success is the product of daily habits. Not once in a lifetime transformation. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. That's like one of my favorite things, and he kind of goes off on that quite a bit throughout the whole book. Um, forget forget about goals. Focus on systems instead of prob. Instead, forget about goals. Focus on systems instead. Yeah. Um, so winners and losers have the same goal. Yes. And achieving a goal is only a momentary change. Okay. Goals restrict your happiness. Goals are at odds with long-term progress. Okay. So, I should really actually find this in the book. It was really interesting because I told you about it too, Sean. I think it was one of the first things I actually flagged in here, maybe. Do you remember anything about this? That winners and losers have the same goal? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Just one of the people is taking daily action to reach it. Um, here we go. Do, do, do. We concentrate on the people who end up winning. The survivors and mistakenly assumed the ambitious goals led to their success while overlooking all of the people who had the same objective but didn't succeed. Right. So you have to think every Olympic athlete, their goal is to win gold. Yes. But only one person will get that. Right. And that's typically the person who's on the most steroids, right? <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> okay. Um, I think it has a lot to do with the action they take in the work. Right. Put in. So I mean, that could be the thing. The difference between the person who won versus the 20 people that lost is that winner could have put in an extra hour of you know weight training or an hour of mental right. toughness anything to improve themselves more than the people who didn't win yeah it makes sense um so so he says these are all problems with goal setting okay so winners and losers have the same goal right achieving a goal is only a momentary change correct uh goals restrict your happiness okay and goals are at odds with long-term progress so, goals restrict happiness. Yep. And goals are at odds. With long-term progress. Okay. Because most people, in order to achieve those goals, don't set up systems or habits to get to those goals. Mm, okay. And so by focusing on, like, goals instead of, like, the system to get to those goals, yeah, you're not really improving yourself. Right. Right, you're just achieving an end goal. Yep. So, you and I 
for our 12 week goal or yeah, one of our 12 week goals we were trying to post on instagram more mm-hmm. and we didn't develop a habit a system to do it so we one didn't even achieve the goal right and two we didn't develop a habit to post more on instagram right right so just from having those goals nothing happened correct i was thinking about that too i was like about the 12 week year shit Mm -hmm. is that our we we never did anything to like time block or we never put it in our schedule right to Mm -hmm. like hey every wednesday from 5 to 6 p.m it doesn't matter we work on our 12-week year correct and like we just didn't do that we put it in the 12-week year and we figured oh we got to accomplish these each week and we had each week's task yeah but we never put each week's task in the calendar correct so never got done that also leads to and this part is hard if you put something in your calendar and then something else pops up unless it's emergency you have to just say no correct and that's tough that's really tough because mm-hmm. it'd be like oh friend wants to grab a drink or your mom wants to grab a drink or whatever right or hang out and be like no i have to go spend an hour in the office that's so difficult to do oh yeah and then those people are like what the fuck is wrong with you you can't spare one hour like actually no i can't mm-hmm. um because if you do it once, then it starts to spiral out of control. 100%. And then you do it next week and the next week. It's fucking, dude, this is like, this That's why I kind tough. of liked, I kind of liked how we did yesterday, how we both knew all these things we needed to do. And we're like, okay, we want to go to this event. So that event is our reward if we actually get everything done. Mm-hmm. And it kind of pushed us. I mean, you and I actually worked really hard in the office for two hours yesterday. I got everything I could get done slash needed to get done. Mm -hmm. Done. Correct. Now, everything else, like cleaning the fucking office, I got to do today. Yep. (sighs) Paying bills. Okay, next. There's a lot of notes. All right, let's keep going. Come on, guys. Quit interrupting me. There's three layers of behavior change. All right. So changing your outcomes is the first layer. Changing your process is the second layer. Changing your identity is the third layer. Okay. Got any questions on this? No. Do you think I need to expand on that? For like 30 seconds. Um, I mean, like, so your outcome is, like, your goals you set, like, the results you want. So losing weight, publishing a book, winning a championship. Okay. Those are your outcomes. Okay. Your process is the implementing a new routine, decluttering your desk for a better workflow, developing a meditation practice. Mm -hmm. And then your identity is changing your beliefs, your worldview, your self-image, your judgments about yourself and others. Okay. Good? Yeah. So those are the three layers of behavior change. Um, So the process of building habits is actually the process of becoming yourself. Okay. Uh, Because... At the end of it, you should be changing your identity. You should be able to say, I am an organized and productive person. I am a reader. Correct. Just like that. Uh, so there's four stages of habits. Okay. Um, so this is like what you go through every time you have a habit. Ooh, I know there is. Here we go. The signs of how habits work. 
So you have a cue. Okay. That cue gives you a craving. Okay. That craving uh, makes you have a response. And then that response gives you a reward. Okay. So a cue would be seeing my phone on the table. Mm-hmm. My craving would be needing to go on my phone. Correct. By going on, or to fill that craving, I go to my phone and turn it on. Mm-hmm. Open up an app. And as a reward, I get like a slight dopamine hit. Every time you scroll your goddamn phone. 100%. Okay. So, you have to try and break that. Okay. And, oh man, it's been so long since I read this chapter. Basically, you need to try and make it so it's unappealing. To so, like, break there, one, you need it needs to be unappealing to break a habit. Right. Yeah. So, you heard what that guy was saying at the end. Yeah. Um, and, honestly, the thing is, is, so you can have the same cue and craving. So, the cue and craving is the problem phase. The solution phase is response and reward. Okay. So let's say you have that cue and craving of seeing your phone and wanting to go on it. But if you mentally if you mentally change it where you're just like, if I don't go on my phone, I'm going to be proud of myself for not going on my phone. Okay. So that, you have to change your response to be in a more positive way. And it just takes like setting habits or the four laws of how to create good habits. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to, like, one way to break a bad habit is to not make it obvious. Okay. So if you don't see your phone, you don't have that cue or craving. Right. Which makes it easier to not go on your phone. Right. So it's just these, like, mental little shifts behind those four steps. The habit loop is also what they call it. Okay. Okay. Did that make sense? That does make sense. Okay. Let's see. So, when a habit successfully addresses a motive, you develop a craving to do it again. Habits are attractive when we associate them with positive feelings. Yep. Uh, and you can change it to, you don't have to, you get to. Yes. So, Dude, I hear that a lot. I don't have to go to the gym. I get to go to the gym. Yeah, that's tough. That's a... You t- like when people say, hey, what are you doing? And you're like, oh, I have to do this. You say it as in like it's an obligation. Mm-hmm. But in reality, you're wanting to do that. Right. And by making things more positive, like let's say you're trying to go to the gym, right? Like you're trying to get yourself to go. Instead of saying, I have to go to the gym, you have to change it to a positive thing of I get to go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Because then that already gives like your brain like a, positive motion to go do it mm-hmm. uh so like you can also change i am nervous to i am excited mm-hmm. so that's something i should have done when we uh went to why surfing because mm-hmm. i was very not excited for it and i should have mentally just kept telling myself like i'm not nervous i'm excited mm-hmm Dude, that's how I felt about cliff jumping. Fuck. And you liked it. Cliff jumping was gangster. Yeah. But it was sketchy as fuck. Oh, yeah. Okay, so let's go into these uh, habit laws. Literally my two favorite things. 
dark water and heights mm-hmm. just love it and i was proud of you thanks okay let's go into these laws yeah. so there's four laws and each law also has an inverse law which does he have yes he does have the inversions so the first law is make it obvious okay what are we making obvious what are we making obvious yeah so this is creating good habits okay so he tells you to fill out a habit scorecard so you write down your current habits um to become aware of them so this is the habit scorecard okay so with each habit you get to write if it's positive negative or neutral mm-hmm. and i think that's like towards yourself okay like is it a positive habit is it a negative habit is it just a whatever happens right to track your habits see how often you do them to see what kind of person you are right and to see what habits you should focus on and which habits to get rid of yep uh use implementation intentions so i will do this behavior at blank time and location Mm -hmm. so sean and i saying we will go to the gym at 6 30 a.m at 3d fitness tomorrow 6 a.m. 6 a.m. Tomorrow at 3D Fitness. Mm-hmm. So it's already telling yourself, I am going to go do that. Right. <clears throat> Use habit stacking. I like habit stacking. Habit stacking is probably one of my favorite ones. Right. So after current habit, I will do the new habit. So the example uh, that Sean just listened to, he says, uh, well, I guess... Hey, yeah, his is stacking. So after I drink my coffee, I will read my business book. Mm-hmm. So every morning, Sean and I drink our coffees. So if you're already doing one habit, that I would say drinking coffee is probably a neutral habit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a lot easier to then add a new habit on top of that. Mm-hmm. And you can keep going, too. You can build three, four, five habits in a row that way. Mm-hmm. And he also suggests doing little amounts at a time. Mm-hmm. Not trying to change your whole habit life. Right. Do one at a time. Because mm-hmm. it's not going to be overwhelming if you're just adding one thing. Mm-hmm. Compared to if you're adding five things every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the last thing is design your environment. Make the cues of good habits obvious and visible. So mine have been, I have my business book and my planner now on my nightstand. Yeah. So I, I've gone in a good ritual of journaling every night. Yeah. So now, after I journal, I look at my schedule for tomorrow and write what I need to do in my planner for the next day. Mm-hmm. And then I read my business book because they're all right there. Uh-huh. Is there anything you do? Like, or what can you, what habit do you want to add? We can, you know, go through this whole thing with one habit that you want to add. Well, I would just add, so every morning I get up and I drink a cup of coffee while I journal. So I would just add reading a business book. Oh, yeah, that would work. Yeah. I realize I skipped two whole pages of my notes. Jeebus. That's okay. It goes into what we're going into anyways. Okay. Um, ooh, I like this. Pointing and calling out. Point out your bad habits and say what you are doing out loud. This will help you realize what you are doing. Mm-hmm. So, like, 
when you're about to go on your phone, you need to say, I'm going on my phone. Because once you say it out loud, it's going to be unattractive. Uh-huh. Which uh-huh. is the fourth law? Nope. Second law. Um, the two most common cues are time and location. We are more likely to notice cues if they stand out. Make cues for good habits obvious. And let's see. Your habits become associated with an entire context surrounding the behavior. It's easier to build new habits in a new environment because you're old, you are not fighting against old cues. Mm-hmm. So, I'm curious if, like, us moving into a different house mm-hmm. will help us change habits. It could. Right, like, because that would be the best time to associate... Rooms. Rooms. We could be like, oh, this is a new house. We want to keep it clean. Mm-hmm. hmm Yeah, I think that would definitely work. I think you could... You break it up like upstairs is the office, the bedrooms for sleeping, mm-hmm. the living rooms for relaxation and watching TV. So we're not going to try to get work done while we're in the living room. Right. You just chill. Um, the so then maybe we should, and we can maybe change it to where we don't do office work on the dining room table. Right. Yeah, no office. And, and so it'd be like... Um, the porch, so a new house, like a porch would be where you have your morning coffee and... Business book. Business book. Yeah. For this house, we could do like the upstairs room. It's for journaling, coffee, and business book Yeah. is upstairs. And so that way, like the dining room table isn't related to any of that. It's only related to eating. Right. Yeah. Dining room table's for eating. Kitchen's for kitchen shit downstairs is for the office for here bedroom sleeping living rooms chilling upstairs is reading journaling yeah i like it yeah they actually honestly they mm, they talked about that in like the minimalist book Mm -hmm. is like different environments are for different things um and if you have something out in one environment you have to put it away before you can bring out the next thing mm-hmm. so like if you if you have a small space and your dining room was for eating and and your office your dining room is office and eating right because mm-hmm. you got a small house mm-hmm. you could not eat until you put your office away you cannot office until you put your food away i like that yeah and so like they Min- like the minimalist shit says a very similar thing like mm-hmm. environment based on a thing but if you are down to small space you have to differentiate between that mm-hmm. uh yeah i really like that and i've always t- like heard too to never have your office in your bedroom mm. because your bedroom is associated with sleeping and relaxation right so you're going to be way less productive if you're in the room that you associate with sleeping. So maybe you don't journal, calendar, read your business book in bed. I really shouldn't. You should not. Yeah, we'll see. Okay, second law. Make it attractive. So use temptation bundling. Pair an action you want to do with an action you need to do. Drinking coffee. 
with reading your business book. Okay. Does that make reading your business book more attractive? Dude, I look forward to waking up at 5 a.m. to drink coffee. 100%. I didn't want to do nothing else. I just like, fuck, dude, that coffee's going to taste good in the morning. So if you associate your coffee with your business book, mm-hmm. your business book will be something you look forward to in the morning. Absolutely. Join a culture where your desired behavior is the normal behavior. We have two of those. Okay. Mastermind and Wiscaria. Mm-hmm. Because um, a lot of the people in our groups uh, read it. very similar books to us, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, the Last Word Cheat Read, the Tom Academic Habits book came up um, mm-hmm. as one of the resources someone used. So, yeah, that's a very good culture. Yes. Did you have more to that? No. Okay. Create a motivation ritual. Do something you enjoy immediately before a difficult habit. Say that again. Create a motivational motivation ritual. Do something you enjoy immediately before a difficult habit. Oh. Okay. So drinking coffee uh-huh. is your motivation to read your business book. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So it's a motivation ritual. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of another th- another thing to pair with. Like, what do I enjoy? I mean, I enjoy building Legos. But what can I associate building Legos with? Listening to a business podcast. Yes. There you go. So while I'm building Legos, I should be listening to business podcasts. Yeah. There we go. Or you like listening to those damn Twitch retards. Mm-hmm. So you only get to listen to retarded Twitch people when you work out. Only when I work out? Only. I'm not going to be able to catch up then. It doesn't matter. you got to work out more. Three hours a day then. Yeah, I'm not agreeing to that one. I'm just saying it's another but way to do it. I like what you say. Okay, the third law. Make it easy. Dude, if I could only listen to podcasts when I'm working out, I would train like three hours a day. But how much of it would you just be slacking off at the gym then? Because you're at the gym for three hours. Two hours, I'd be slacking off. Correct. So then you're just not at home or not doing other things. Right. That is something he does say is uh, habits can be good, but they can also hinder you. Right. Third law, make it easy. Reduce friction, decrease the number of steps between you and your good habits. I realize I should have looked at my notes just in case. Right, yep. So reduce friction, decrease the number of steps between you and your good habits. Okay. Prime the environment. Prepare your environment to make future actions easier. So cleaning your desks every couple of days makes it easier to clean your desk. It yes. makes it easier to do office work. Yes. How often do you not want to do office work because your desk is messy? Every day. There we go. Master the decisive moment. Optimize the small choices that deliver outsized impact. So this one was the 1% rule that I really liked. So improving yourself by 1% every day stacks up slowly and goes up exponentially. But by not doing, not improving yourself, I think you go back like 3%. Mm -hmm. So by improving yourself just the tiniest bit, is better than not doing anything 
Because we're not doing anything. You're actually going back 3%. That is the same exact thing in business. Mm -hmm. If you're not consistently trying to grow and get better and build, you're regressing. Mm -hmm. And you're regressing more than... You would be progressing. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, progressing by 1%. When they say one step forward, two steps back. That's a thing. It is a thing. Uh, But if... Like, I liked what he said um, towards the end of the book. He compares it to, like, sand in, like, an hourglass, right? So let's say, or let's say you have two cups, right? Like, you have the cup of sand, and you have the steps you've taken to improve yourself. Mm -hmm. And that one's empty. Let's say you take one grain of sand and put it in there every single day. Mm Mm-hmm. How long do you think it'll take you to notice that there is quite a bit of sand in that glass? A long fucking time. I mean, a long time. But at some point, you will associate that you have made an improvement. Right. Okay, I think you'll vibe with this one more. I see see what you're saying on that last one. It's a long time. Yes. But how about this? So let's say you give a person 10 coins. Okay. And then every day you give them a new coin. Okay. When they have 10 coins, you don't associate them as rich. Right. But at some point, by giving them one coin every single day, mm-hmm. eventually one coin will associate them from being not rich to rich. Right. Does that make more sense? That does make sense. Mm-hmm. So at some point, you have to be like, I am better. And it could be just the difference of a grain of salt, a 1%. Yep. How crazy is that? Yeah. No, I mean, it makes sense. I love that. Uh, use the two-minute rule. Downscale your habits until they can be done in two minutes or less. I liked this. Sean did not like this. So, two-minute rule. When you start a new habit, it should take less than two minutes to do. Example. Do 30 minutes of yoga becomes take out my yoga mat. Because if you start that habit, how how many times are you just going to take out the yoga mat and not actually do yoga? Right. So like you and I, we really want to start rolling out more. Right. So if we just took out the mats and the rollers, what are the odds we're not going to roll out? Pretty high. <laughs> right. Uh, so he says, if you can't learn the basic skill of showing up, then you have little hope of mastering the finer details. Well, I can tell you the amount of times I showed up at the gym that didn't work out, I think was probably two to three times in 13 years. Correct. So he even says, uh, like to start off, like for the gym, to start off with just putting your gym shoes on. Mm Mm-hmm. And then if you, once you master that, right, like, let's say you don't actually go to the gym still. Mm-hmm. But once you do that enough times and eventually you're like, why am I just putting on my gym shoes and not going to the gym? Mm-hmm. Then he says, then drive to the gym. Because mm-hmm. how many times are you going to drive to the gym and not actually go in the gym? Really only a couple. 100%. Yeah. So I think, I just think, I really like... I just like the whole idea of it. Like, it's so simple and stupid, but yet at the same time, you're just like, oh, shit, yeah, if I took out the mat and foam roller, I'm going to roll out. Mm-hmm. 
So it's just a simple little like change that could change the whole or start the whole habit. Right. Uh, oh, yeah, because there's something about oh action versus motion. Motion doesn't produce an outcome. Action does. Motion makes us feel like we're making progress. So it causes delay failure. Um, you don't need to map out every feature of a new habit. You just need to practice. Mm, okay. I like it. Uh, okay, the last part of make it easy. Okay. Automate your habits. Invest in technology and one-time purchases that lock in future behavior. I think that is something that's really important with business. Say it again. Automate your habits. Invest in technology and one-time purchases yeah. that lock in future behavior. Yeah. Dude, that's QuickBooks. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> QuickBooks kind of sucks in, in essences, right? But it's so much easier to go onto that stupid fucking thing once a week, approve transactions, than it is to put it in a spreadsheet and do all that shit. 100%. Yeah. And I think, too, like if you're going to start a business you should get in the practice of what systems you're going to use before you start hiring people, or even if you have hired a couple people. It's going to be a lot easier to put that system in place when you only have five employees than when you have 40 employees. Oh, fuck, yeah, that's so true. Mm -hmm. And think how much more time it is. Like, I think about my workplace, and if we had to implement like our inventory system now, like let's say we never had one and we had to do it now, mm -hmm. it'd be miserable. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. It'd be awful. Absolutely. Okay, the fourth law. Make it satisfying. Okay. Use reinforcement. Give yourself yourself an immediate reward when you complete your habit. I'm trying to think of a good like example for that. What do you got? What do you think? Ooh, I know actually. Okay. Streaks. Yeah. Absolutely. We're obsessed with streaks. As you can tell, I'm not used to my glasses being in my face, and I keep hitting my microphone. Mm. Um, yeah. Sean has done Duolingo for how many days? 790 or something like that. And why haven't you stopped? <laughs> um... Because I've made it 790 days. And, and you you need to complete that streak. Right. Yeah, if I miss, then I'd lose it. Fuck that. If you miss, do you think you would start again or no? Fuck no, dude. You kidding me? It'd take fucking over two years? Hell no. That shit's time. Yeah. So, there is a reward. It's just seeing that streak go up. Mm-hmm. I don't... Oh, he does. Okay. Make doing nothing enjoyable. When avoiding a bad habit, design a way to see the benefits. So, instead of going on your phone, just sit there and do nothing. But, like, make it enjoyable. So, like, daydream about what your future house could look like. Daydream about what car you're going to drive next. I do that a lot. Instead of going on your phone and looking at useless content. Right. Mm, I love that. Mm -hmm. Man, I love that. 
The only issue is once you start to give cars, then you're going to want to go on Facebook to look at cars. That is a massive flaw. But, I mean, I guess you do have some money to in our account to buy a car with. Dom, honestly. And we already discussed this, though. We're now at the point, right, where instead of buying a $10,000 car, we want to buy a twenty dollars to $40,000 no. car. No. 70. We talked about it. So then why are you looking at cars when we can't get that right now? I don't fucking know. I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> I don't know. Even Mimi's frustrated. <laughs> I hate my life. I love my life. But so, I think about that shit too goddamn much. So it, instead, though, of, I mean, looking at these cars you can't get. Right. And going on Facebook. Right. Just daydream about the cars that... Like, daydream about yourself riding in the country in the car that you want to be driving in. Because now, like, by doing that, then you'll be able to actually realize what car you truly want. <clears throat> when I do stuff like that, and you visualize it, you start to realize what car you want, and you start to put together what it'll take to get to that car. Right. Like, I know to get to that car would be three flips. And I could own that. Mm-hmm. Or one rental, or, or like a couple rentals bringing me $1,000 a month. Right. Like those two things can get me that. Um, but so yeah. you looking at other cars on Facebook and just feeling that urge, that craving. Right. Isn't going to help you get that car. because it's not going to help me get that car. Instead of saving your money to get the car that you really want, you're going to probably spend your money on some other car that you're going to eventually realize, I don't really want this. Right. Yeah, absolutely. That mm-hmm. makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, next one. Use a habit tracker. Keep track of your habit streak and don't break the chain. Uh, so this is a good way to keep track of your streaks. And uh, one thing I like that he does that I've never done before, actually, is at the end of the year, or, like, even at the end of the month, he counts, like, how many times he did things. So, because uh, he also does an annual annual review uh, that he answers three questions. Okay. It's on his website, if anyone's curious what they are. I think it's, like, what things am I proud of that I did what can I do to be better? And what what things did I not accomplish or something? Okay. Uh, so, and he posts like his personal annual reviews on his website, which I think is really neat. His 2019 one, one of the things he was upset about was how he realized he wasn't able to work out as much with being on the road because he was touring for his book release. And he, on his thing, he he uh, put in there, like, every month and how many times he worked out. Yeah. And he was able to do that by having a habit tracker. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really neat. Mm-hmm. And it really makes you... So I like to do that at the end of the month. Just, like, look at all the things, like, all the habits I was able to, like, keep up with. Right. And I do a monthly review and put in there like yeah, yeah what we also have it in our planners too weekly reviews mm-hmm. but it 
you can go off of like what did what did I improve on what didn't I improve on why didn't I improve on this what can I do next month to make it better right it's really good just to reflect on those things mm-hmm. and having a habit tracker it's a lot easier to reflect on your habits yeah um, never miss twice when you forget to do a habit make sure you get back on track immediately mm-hmm. that's a good one so those are the four laws let's see what else do we have don't let losses eat into your compounding. Don't let losses eat into your compounding. Okay. So that's kind of the one step forward, two steps back. Yeah. Or like I told Sean, if you have $100 and you make 50% profit, you get up to 150 Wait, yeah, $150. Mm-hmm. But to get back to that 100 it only has to be a 33% loss. How crazy is that? Say that again. So if you have a hundred dollars, yeah. If you have a fifty percent profit, you get up to one hundred fifty. Okay. But with the thirty-three percent loss, you're back down to a hundred. Yes. Yep. Yep. So that's the one step forward, two steps back. Yep. Uh, and then, oh, how to pick the right habit for you? Make it easy. And explore and exploit uh, trade-off. So they say to try new habits, right? Because it's all a biological personality thing. Some habits just aren't going to work for some people. Like some people just aren't people to get up early in the morning. Right. Yep. Like some people are just night owls. Right. And there's no Is that point. you? What do you think? You think you're more of a morning person or a night person? I don't know. I think I'm in between. Huh. Uh... But they say to, like, explore uh, different habits, right? To, like, suit your lifestyle or suit, like, what you need. Right. And this is my other favorite thing. Professionals stick to the schedule. Amateurs let life get in the way. Yeah. Fuck, that's so true. Mm-hmm. We are amateurs. We are definitely amateurs. Amateur hour over here. Yep. Fuck, dude, that's tough. Life sucks, dude. You need to get rid of life. Yep. Okay, so that was how to create a good habit. Okay. Here are the inversion of all the laws on how to break a bad habit. Okay. So the first one is make it invisible. Reduce exposure. Remove the cues of your bad habits from your environment. Don't have your phone sitting out. Put it in a drawer. Put it on silent. Yep. Make it unattractive. Reframe your mindset. Highlight the benefits of avoiding your bad habits. Okay. So, I mean, like we've talked about it, like not being on your phone is going to make you more productive. Make you more productive. Um, so just saying, like, if I go on my phone. Make it unattractive, yeah, on your phone. If people, yeah. people are losers if they go on their phone. People are losers if they mindlessly scroll. Yep. Absolutely. I'm lazy if I'm on my phone. Yep. Yep. And, like, say that out loud when you go on your phone. I am lazy. Yeah. Because it's going to make you not want to go on your phone. Right. I'm a loser. Fuck, dude. Make you sit on that all day long. Mm -hmm. Make it difficult. Increase friction. Increase the number of steps between you and your bad habits. So, putting it in a drawer. Open the drawer. Put it in a drawer. Delete the apps. Delete all apps. Yeah. So, you have to 
go to the internet to go to Instagram. Holy shit, that yeah. would suck. Yeah. Uh, use a commitment device. Restrict your future choices to the ones that benefit you. Uh, so, like, we have our app detox. Yep. So, our phones restrict us on how long we can aimlessly scroll on our apps. Yep. Which, that helps. Oh, uh, big time. I wish it, like, when the thing would go off, right? Like, when the 10 minutes or whatever we have goes off, it pops up a screen that says, you're a loser. That'd be so awesome. So awesome. <laughs> oh, God, I'd love that. Uh, inversion of Law 4 is make it unsatisfying. Get an accountability partner. Ask someone to watch your behavior. Mm-hmm. Create a habit contract. Make the costs of your bad habits public and painful. Mm. So he actually gives you one in his mm. in all the things um, to print off. Okay. Do, do, do. Here we go. Habit contract. I. Oh, does it actually tell you what? Oh, here we go. I'm going to read the story of this person. Okay. Oh, does it actually tell me what? Okay. So Brian Harris, an entrepreneur from Nashville, Tennessee, was the first person I saw put this strategy into action. Shortly after the birth of his son, Harris realized he wanted to shed a few pounds. He wrote up a habit contract between himself, his wife, and his personal trainer. The strategy worked, with his wife and trainer acting as accountability partners and with the habit contract clarifying exactly what to do each day, Harris lost the weight. So this is the contract. So he had goals for every quarter, and he could change his goals throughout the whole contract. But he couldn't change, he could change the consequences, but only if it like made them worse. Okay. Uh, so I think he wanted to eat correctly. And let's see here. Q1 is to start eating correctly again so he feels better, looks better, and is able to hit his BHAG of 200 pounds at 10% body fat. So phase one, get back to a strict slow-carb diet, start strict macro tracking program in Q2. So let's see here. So his objective, write down all food that he consumes each day and weigh himself each day. The food log must be completed by 6 a.m. of the day after. The weigh-in can happen at any point during the day, optionally first thing in the morning. If Brian doesn't do these two items, then the following consequences will be enforced. So, these are Q1 consequences. He will have to dress up each workday and each Sunday morning for the rest of the quarter. I don't know what he did for a job, but he must not have had to dress up. Um, oh, dress up is defined as not wearing jeans, t-shirts, hoodies, or shorts. Dude, that would suck. Right? Like, you just used to go into work comfy all day, and then mm-hmm. you have to go there in a suit, and everyone's like, why are you wearing a suit? And, and Sunday morning. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, so, the accountability. So, Brian will be held accountable for the following means. He will text Stacy a picture of his weight each day and ask Joey, his trainer, to monitor his eating logs. He will also give Joey $200 to use as he sees fit if he misses one day of logging food. Oh, my God. $200. Dude, that is significant. Yeah, I mean, this guy was crazy with it. Like, way crazier than I think he should have been. Well, dude, but you got to think about it. 
say it was twenty dollars, right? You're it, not gonna. It do wouldn't it. mean anything, right? Like, oh, Kyle, if I fuck this up, I gotta give you twenty bucks. I just back here, take the twenty bucks every day, whatever. Mm-hmm. Leave me alone. But two hundred bucks, dude, that's a full day of work. Yeah. Fuck that. You give up two hundred dollars once. You are really going to question doing that again. Are you, are you Holy ready for, shit. Are you ready for Q2? Oh, my God. Do you want me to just go with the consequences? No, no, no. What are we, what are we, what are we doing? So, uh, Q2 objectives are as follows. Eat food that adds up to a total of no more than 75 grams of carbs and no less than 200 grams of protein each day. Dude, he got strict. Yeah. So, uh, th- this is quarter two, right? Quarter one was, like, working up to it, and this is quarter two. And I'm pretty sure quarter... You have to keep doing everything from quarter one into quarter two. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure at the end of quarter one, he actually, like, was able... like. So this is an updated one because he blew, like, all of his expectations and, like, went above and beyond, like, in quarter one. Sure. So this, like, he upped the stakes at the end of quarter one. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so he has to weigh in at each day that I am at home and run... Wind sprints for five minutes one day a week. Okay. The food log must be completed by 8.30 a.m. of the day after. The weigh-in can happen at any point during the day, optimally first thing in the morning. The wind sprints ideally will happen on Saturday morning, but can be done any day of the week. Okay. So if Brian doesn't do these three items, then the following consequences will be enforced. Macro goal. $100 to Patrick for each day he misses. He gets six pass days. Okay. Weigh-in goal. So if he doesn't make his weigh-in goal, he has to pay his wife $500. Okay. Wind sprints, uh, so if he doesn't do those, he has to dress up for work every day and wear an Alabama hat rest of the quarter. So this guy lived in Louisiana, I think. Mm-hmm. And so Alabama was like... Their number one rival. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was quarter two. Okay. I don't remember if I read the other quarters. but I wish we fucking knew how this guy did at the end. I, I'm pretty sure he succeeded, like, throughout everything. Didn't miss? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Damn. Um, oh, yeah, there's, like, accountability things. So, like, uh, he had groups. Sure. Whatever. Quarter three. So... Oh, yeah, because he wanted to lose. Oh, yeah. So, he has phase four as walk around naked. I think it was because he wasn't comfortable in his body. Sure. So, he wanted to, like, be comfortable in his body. Sure. Um, and I think he meant, like... In his house. Right. But, no, like, be able to walk around shirtless and be, like, fine and happy. Uh, okay, okay. Um, so, maintain... Quarter three, Brian will maintain the following even as he adds new goals. Uh, less than 75 grams of carbs, more than 200 grams of protein per day. One hour strength training, three days per week. Weigh and measure body fat daily. So new things. So he has the above things. And then he has to do 10 minutes of hit bike riding on Tuesday and Thursday. Okay. Intermittent fasting on non-strength training days, Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday. Okay. Brian doesn't do these five items. The following consequences will be enforced. Uh, macro goal, $100 to Patrick for each day he misses. He only gets three pass days. Okay. Weigh-in and body fat goal, $100 to Patrick for each day he misses, three pass days. Bike riding, dress up for work for the next week, and fasting, wear Alabama hat to work each day for the rest of the quarter. Yeah. How crazy is that? 
That's brutal, dude. Mm-hmm. And like, brutal. so it's a le- legit contract with signatures mm-hmm. and everything. Insane. I mean, that's a good way to like. Got and you have to make the consequences like significant, like you said. Yeah, because I saw I saw a video a guy put together where if he didn't reach his thing, he had to pay his wife ten dollars, and I'm just like, it doesn't matter. Like ten dollars doesn't matter. I feel like the first ten ten dollars won't matter, and then once you're like fuck, like I just paid my wife a hundred dollars because I won't do this stupid thing. But if you just paid your wife a hundred dollars once, you would learn right away. You would learn right away. That's just it. Once it, it's got to hit a significant amount where you go fuck, dude. Mm-hmm. Um. So here's some advanced tactics. These I kind of liked. All right. Uh, so he suggests getting a personality test. Yeah. Um, because genes can predispose, but they do not predetermine. So, like we said, genetics always plays roles in everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to think about Olympians, right? If you uh, switched, oh, he had some good examples, but we could go with like Michael Phelps, and then there's a runner who's like shorter, but has like long legs or something okay and michael phelps has a really long torso and long arms yeah so his body's amazing for swimming yeah the other guys is amazing for running right so if you swap them in their sports they would suck dick no matter how hard they worked they yep their genetics is hindering them yeah uh so he does suggest taking behavior or uh, personality tests to really help you determine like which route to go in uh-huh. uh which i did take one upstairs he has links to them on his website once again i think it's atomichabits.com slash personality or something uh have a reflection and review this i want you and i to do every time we make a decision we have to write it in a journal Okay. So we have to record the major decisions each week. Why you made them, what you expect the outcome to be. And then review them at the end of the month or year to see where you were correct and wrong. Okay. How cool, how interesting would that be? Yeah. Okay. So you write in your journal for a decision you made up, review it at the end of the month or at the end of the quarter. Uh, he says at the end of the month or the year, whatever you okay, prefer. Okay, in a month, and see if that decision worked out or not. Correct. Fuck, dude. That'd be crazy. Think about some of the decisions we've made in the past month or two. Oh, my God. And how some of them, like, literally just yesterday, we had an epiphany about how wrong those decisions were. Wow. That'd be so beneficial. And mm-hmm. that <clears throat> that happens so much with us trying different things, implementing new things. And see just how wrong. And wow. so that would also go along like with the lessons journal. Yeah. Because by at that point we could have proof, like right, like if we had a decision journal that we only wrote our decisions, our major decisions we made. Well. And then yeah. we could write notes in after them, being like, "This was wrong because of X, Y, and Z." And then if we get back to that decision at some point, we can go back to the journal and be like, "Okay." 
this is why this decision was wrong at this time, do we think it's better now or do we think it's still going to be wrong? Dude, highly successful people do that. Yeah. They they might not do it in that exact way, but they like have fool me once, shame on me, fool or fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Mm-hmm. If they don't remember it or track it or write it down the second time, it's on them. And this one that we just had epiphany about? Yep. Definitely on you. Because it was the second time you've second made that time. decision. Mm-hmm. 100%. And it's the second time you've said, I don't like this. Yep. It's, honestly, it's because when you do these, people are so easily influenced by other people. Yeah. You can know something in your mind, and enough people can talk you into something else. And then you notice or realize, like, God damn it, this is my fault for letting people influence me or putting myself in this situation to let others influence me. Yeah. The, like, And it's really hard, too, like, when people aren't in the same situations as you mm-hmm. or in the same field as you. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yes, most businesses probably do run the same, like, system-wise or, like, this employee does these responsibilities. Mm-hmm. But... There's also, like, the points of, like, just, like, the general, like, the overall concept of stabilized living versus two-tone improvement, way different. Like, the day-to-day decisions you have to make are... A hundred percent different. Don't even relate. No. Well, and that's, I mean, that's... Ryan and I would run that all the time, talking to people, um, because, you know, the number one issue we had was, like, recruiting and retention of employees and we would be talking to the average person and be like this is our issue this is our issue this is our issue um and they'd be like oh well would it help to get more sales and it's like no dude no like sales has nothing we don't have to worry about sales sales come regardless right and most people like so two tone home improvement that main thing i'm worrying about on that side is more sales or like Mm -hmm. yeah more more projects that was not really a concern for stable living ever because the work's there yeah you had all the income all the sources you could get yeah but you couldn't get more until you had more employees working for you and that stuck stuck around and did the job right Uh yeah and then you talk to other people and they'd be like oh, well, could it be this marketing? Like, no, you guys don't understand. That has nothing to do with our issues. Mm. Zero. Yeah, stable living we is... Did, dude, that was a lot of time in, like, masterminds and shit. People be like, well, what about this? Like, st- shut the fuck up. Yeah, stable living is a, a whole different beast on its own. Like, honestly... Then majority of companies, be, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, besides, like, the over, like, right at the top part of the company... That is probably going to be pretty similar to most companies. Oh, yeah, yeah. But the day-to-day tasks, nothing. Nothing compares to that besides a hospital, like other healthcare things. Even some, like, healthcare, they're not open 24-7. No. I mean, hospitals are, but, like, uh, like dentist office and places mm-hmm. like that, they're not open 24-7. Mm-hmm. That's what, I mean, that's one thing that made it really hard. I'm trying to think of other things that you don't even have to, like... I guess sales aspect, marketing aspect was crucial for the first year and a half Mm -hmm. by just getting our name out there. And then everything after that was word of mouth. Mm -hmm. I guess actually that could relate to like 
a big company like um, Andy Fursell talks about that. They don't have to market for first form at all because they built such a good product and now everything they have is like word of mouth. Mm. Um, and yeah. all they have to do is make sure their standard is the same, right? right? It's still good or great. Yep. Um, so you just have to make sure that standard is always upheld and you'll keep getting more and more. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. That, that I guess is a way to like, to a product company. Mm -hmm. So I mean, really, I mean, stable living, their product is the care that they're giving every day. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think about it, like they just stable living, just reached a high level place a lot sooner in the aspect of marketing and sales than most companies. And Mm -hmm. then, but yeah, I mean, but yet stable living's marketing is a lot different than other places because you don't market to outside people. Like, like you just have to, whenever there was an opening, you have to contact case managers that right. you've worked with before and be like, hey, know of anyone that needs placement? a placement? Mm-hmm. So you just market to the people you've worked with before. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's all just, it's really just referral based, like building a good name mm-hmm. and the referral from there. Yeah. But yeah, so. Yeah, I mean, that's completely different than habits. We got off the habit track yep. for a minute. But that's okay. And to really just, uh, yeah, uh, businesses are different. Right. But uh, So it be related to decision-making. Right. So I think, uh, I mean, today's May 1st, so we can start a decision journal today. Right, for decisions we make and, mm-hmm. and follow that through and see how it goes. Yeah. Um, I, I love it. I love that love so that. much, dude, because there's so, so, so many decisions we make. And I would honestly be really curious for everyone in Mastermind to do that. Yeah, it'd be really helpful. It'd be really interesting to see. Um, okay. Uh, I, this is another good quote I really like. Um, actually, it's not a quote, but it was just a thing from the book uh continue to grow and change don't let your habits keep you in a rut so by having good habits uh makes it be like automated mm-hmm. right so you just do it no matter what right the issue with that is the more automation you have the less likely you are to catch errors yeah so he says you have to you kind of it's a balancing act okay of having good habits but still being vigilant while you're doing it so you're still catching those mistakes um so that's something i mean i probably should honestly be careful of because when i edit these podcasts i do the same couple of things on every single episode i don't listen to the whole thing i listen to the beginning maybe 10 seconds so it'd be something I maybe should start doing is like jumping into the middle of the podcast, listening for five minutes mm-hmm. to make sure that the middle is just as good of quality as the beginning. Or like once a month you listen to a whole episode yeah. to pick out where things need to change mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. good. I thought that was something that was interesting. Um, and they also said... Okay, say that thing again. Um... Oh, it was just continue to grow and change. Don't let your habits keep you in a rut. Okay. That's just how I paraphrased it myself. Um, But another example he made was 
people not taking like advice or like criticism right so let's say like a surgeon has been a surgeon for 20 years but they don't want to pick up any new techniques that their younger colleagues have learned Mm -hmm. because they're too stuck in their ways Mm -hmm. that was it, it you have to be able to adapt your habits as times change or as technology changes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I thought that I I like that because I like that a lot. We see that we see that in our lives. Oh yeah. Keep your identity small. Okay. Do you have any guess of what that could mean? Keep your identity small. Mm-hmm. No. So if you remember at the beginning, we said that there was three uh, layers to changing a habit, uh-huh. right? And the last one was identity. Yep. So the more you let a single belief define you, the less capable you are of adapting when life changes you. Okay. So I like to compare it to people who define themselves as weed smokers. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Keep going. So that's an identity. Yeah. But let's say, right, you have a kid. Um, something, something happens where you shouldn't smoke every day like you used to. Yeah. How hard is it going to be to stop smoking now that you identify as a weed smoker? I love that. I love that so much. So he suggests keeping your identity small. So when you do need to change like habits or um, anything, it's you're, you have less restriction to change those things. So okay. what do you what do you identify yourself as? Oh, he does. Oh, actually, I'm gonna look this up because he does give a good example for what you define yourself. What do I define myself as? Mm-hmm. Typically lazy. Okay, I would go with an entrepreneur. By the way. Oh, okay. I define myself as an entrepreneur. There you go. There we go. I'm so proud of you. You got there. Yeah. Um, how would you define me? Hot. Thank you. That was the correct answer, I would say. That's the correct answer. Okay. Let's see here. Um, so, instead of saying, I'm the CEO or an entrepreneur, you should say, I'm the type of person who builds and creates things. All right. So it's more of a broad topic. I like that a lot more for one arrogance purposes. But second thing. You like this other example too, by the way. All right. Go ahead with it. I'm an athlete becomes I'm the type of person who is mentally tough and loves a physical challenge. Uh, Yeah. So what's your second thing? I made you lose it, didn't I? No, I'm just such a... I'm not a big fan of, like, playing on your strengths only. You know how some people are like, forget all your weaknesses and just do your strengths? Mm-hmm. Though, I understand that's how you build a big company. You That is a way to build a big company and flourish really well in your, like, in your one field of potential, what you're best at. Mm-hmm. Um... But there's going to be things in life that brings adversity to those people. 
and they won't be able to like do that you know what i'm saying like it's going to be they won't be able to perform a task or a duty because they haven't practiced any adversity right. they are only the ceo right they they're incapable of everything else because they're the ceo and what happens when their ceo business is no longer needed or you know something and they have to start over mm -hmm. and they don't have the same resources they had now they can't just be the ceo now they have to start from scratch and that might mean they have to start towards the bottom and work up again so how much did that hinder you going from stable living to to home improvement Because we kind of discussed that a little bit, is you, you like building businesses. Yeah. Dude, I would say actually that, that kind of hindered me a lot um, by me just saying, like, I like to build, right, and mm -hmm. do that stuff. Um, when I switched from stable living to Toots Home Improvement, I know the progression I should take is just get in, do the work, and just, like, let things progress naturally. Mm -hmm. um, but I was just like, oh, I have to build. I have to build. So I spent a lot of time thinking about, like, hiring people and doing, like, putting things in place so that, like, I'm just building and not, um, like, doing the tasks as much. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, you've been trying to like learn the balance between what things you should have subs do versus yeah. yourself do. Yeah. Because there there have been some projects that Sean and Kyle subbed out pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, which is good for right now because you guys have so many other projects. Mm -hmm. But how much is that going to hinder you down the road when you only have one project that you and Kyle have to do everything on? Right. And you haven't been using those skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's good to, like, I don't know. I I just think it's good to, like, be open-minded about your identity. Like, yeah. these identities that he says are really broad. So the other example he gave was military veterans. So people, when they get out of service, they have a hard time because they say, I'm a great soldier. And they should change it to, I'm the type of person who is disciplined, reliable, and great on a team. Mm -hmm. And that helps them get over the fact that they're no longer in the military. Right. Like they can go to any workplace and be disciplined, reliable, and great on a team. Right. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. So instead of, so like my mindset and my thought was like, I build businesses, mm -hmm. right? I should just be, I am a builder because I can build anything, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be a business. Like I can literally go do the building portion mm -hmm. of whatever. Or I'm... I'm the type of person who builds things. Right. Right. Who builds and creates things. Who builds and creates. Because, because that can be in the literal sense of manual right. labor. Right. Or it could be in businesses. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I like that a little lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to be flexible um, helps you get around obstacles and challenges when they come. Right. Here's a quote uh, from something I cannot pronounce. Okay. So I'm not going to try. Okay. Um. Men are born soft and supple. Dead, they are stiff and hard. Plants are born tender and pliant. 
pliant, 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 dead, they're brittle and dry. Thus, whoever is stiff and inflexible is a discipline of death. Whoever is soft and yielding is a discipline of life. The hard and stiff will be broken. The soft and supple will prevail. Okay. So it kind of goes with like, uh, I mean, it completely goes with changing, right? Being able to accept changes um, happening in your life. It's going to be a lot easier if you're soft and supple than if you're stiff and hard. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why I love change so much. Because you're soft and supple? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Um, okay, here's the last thing I got for you. Okay. Um, we already talked about this. Whatever. The upside of habits is that we can do things without thinking. The downside is that we stop paying attention to the little errors. We already talked about that one. Okay. But I still think it's good. Yeah. So, yeah. I I don't know. I really I really like this book. I really do. It has a really cool ending to it too. So he has a newsletter and every year he posts um a list of his favorite books on a wide range of uh topics. Okay. So I thought that was cool. Um he gives some like little lessons in the end of it. Ooh, satisfaction equals like liking minus wanting. Okay. So if you get $10 and get $100, you feel great. If you expect to get $100, oh, if you expect to get $10 and get $100, you feel great. If you expect to get $100 and get $10, you feel disappointed. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, but yeah, he has tons of like little things in the back. He has his website that has a bunch of things. Oh, also on his website, he has how to apply the ideas, ideas to parenting. Mm-hmm. I didn't print that one off because we're not parents. Mm-hmm. But um, so, like, how can I get my kids to do this stuff? Right. Like, getting your kids to form these habits and like being able to accept change easier will help them so much more later in life. You and I talked about that with homeschooling. Yeah, we have. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I this book was incredible. I yeah. I loved it. I probably will read this at some point again because I don't quite remember a whole lot of the stuff in the beginning of it since it was eight months ago when I started. I think you could just take something like the Atomic Habits and relate it to the four-hour work week a lot mm-hmm. and really become a lot more productive so that you can do the things you want to do a lot more. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Do those other things you want, like golfing. Right. Side by siding. Right. Mm. Yeah, seriously. So what's your big takeaway from this? Um, my big takeaway, I guess, I like the, uh, I like the little identity portion. Yeah, I feel like that, um, is something you and I both need to, like, accept, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um... I I really don't know what my identity is. Let's just go with that. I'm just kind of around, but I do have. I've always known I'm I'm a I'm a hem, right? Mm-hmm. Or am I I'm a ha hem ha. Hem doesn't do anything. I'm a ha. There we go. So I do kind of need to maybe change mine to be like, oh, I'm more open-minded or something. Mm-hmm. 
uh, so I think that's something that it'll be fun for you and I to work on is like embracing our identities, I guess, and like kind of figuring out what those are. Sure. Um, I just, I love the decision journal. I love it. Yeah. It's something I, I never thought needed to be done, but it needs to be done. That dude, that just helps so much in business and life. Mm, especially when you're growing a business. Mm-hmm. Like when you're starting out, it is such a good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then obviously the habit parts. I mean, I, I, a lot of the things I knew, but I like how he phrases them. Right. I guess that's why those don't pop out as much as me because, because like I know those things, or at least I've heard about them, saw them and shit to know that like those, the four laws are like the steps you'd want to take to change a habit or build a new habit. Yeah. And, um, I mean, that's where it kind of all starts is getting a good, good habits and good systems and then everything can grow off of that. Mm. And, uh, I guess just starting small. Yeah. I, it's, it's just, I don't, he gives so many like good examples throughout the book and so many like little things that obviously I was not going to be able to, uh, tell all of you, um, especially in an hour and a half podcast. Right. And this is a longer episode already. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, it's just very interesting. Like he breaks down like the whole mental game of it all. Um, and it's just, it's just very neat. Like I said, it's stuff like I've heard and I've known, but just the way he phrases it and kind of like breaks it down was just so helpful and mm-hmm. just in a way that I haven't seen many people do. Right. Well, it's nice talking about it because then you really start to think of how you can implement that stuff into your life. Right. Um, so I'm yeah. I like I think probably I mean today's May 1st. Maybe you and I should start a uh, habit tracker of posting on Instagram and we can like put it into our calendar, right? Putting it in our calendar, putting it on our, our habit trackers, right? So at the end of the month, we can look back and be like, oh, we actually only posted four times this month, dude. Honestly, that would be a fucking that'd be phenomenal if I posted four times in a month, <laughs> right? Exactly, that would be great. Um, but I, without tracking it, how do we know that four times is better than last month? right yeah dude this is really tough this tough it's gonna be a a, a continued discussion to to make it a good Mm. i kind of want us to come back to this um in december Mm -hmm. and talk about things we have changed things we have implemented um in our lives and like how like where our tracking is at oh we could do an annual (laughs) review yeah We'll answer the three questions that he has. Right. It's a good idea. It is a good idea. Cool. That's what I got. That's what I got. Um, Oh, I had a... Oh, next week, Monday, should we discuss uh, our 12-week year one and what we learned? Sure. Cool. So that'll be next Monday, guys. All right. See ya. Bye.